continuing this series of sermons entitled The Struggle is Real. We all have our fair share of struggles, some of us more than our fair share. We can struggle about lots of things in life. We can struggle at work. We can struggle in relationships. We can struggle with our health. health. The kind of struggles that we're talking about in this series of sermons is the struggle between what we believe and how we live. It's that gap between our ideal self and the reality of our lives. We can struggle in lots of different kinds of ways in this gap between what we say we believe and how we want to live. The result of those struggles can be feelings of guilt and shame or of fear or a sense of unworthiness, feelings of being alone. Last week, we, we talked about how we can invite God into this struggle, and when we do, God helps us to begin to see more clearly the struggle that is our life, which means we can no longer hide from it, and we can't pretend that it's not there. But not only does God bring clarity, God also brings wisdom to help us to live in ways that starts to close that gap. This week, we're going to dig more deeply into that gap between what we believe and how we live. And we're going to start by talking about the origins of our struggle. But I want to pause for a moment and, and listen to Scripture. So Bill's going to read for us. Scripture this morning comes from Romans 7:14 to 8:1. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own ac actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I do delight in the law of the God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind I am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh I am a slave to the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And from Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20. 
I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him, for that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Bill. I love that passage from Romans. Bill, you did a good job reading it. We've had practice. We read it last week as well, but it is a challenging passage to read. My paraphrase of it is that, you know, Paul is saying, I love the law, I just don't always live by it. I say I'm going to do this thing, and I'm not going to do that thing. But I end up doing that thing that I said I wasn't going to do, and I don't do the thing that I said that I was going to do. The gap between what we believe and how we live. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We all have a story. It's the story that is our lives. Our stories are made up of the experiences that we've had, the lessons that we have learned, made up of the successes and the failures along the way, those times of celebration and times of sorrow, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs, and so much more. It's a part of what makes up our story. Now, each of us are both actors and directors in our story. We're actors in that this life that we are living is our life to live. And we're directors because at any given moment, we can make decisions that will affect how it is that our lives unfold moving forward. As actors in this story that is our lives, we've encountered many struggles. We certainly have had moments where we've wondered if people think that our story has much value. Or maybe it is that people have said something or done something that hurt us, maybe hurt us deeply. And those things are hard to get rid of. And so as actors, we carry with us some scars from the past. But we don't just carry scars with us. We've also doled out a few of our own. There have been times where we've said something or done something, they brought some hurt, some pain to somebody else's life. As we think back upon our lives and the struggles that we've been through, it can be hard to think of a time when there was not some kind of struggle. Some of you remember last Sunday I talked about how one of our sons, when he was little, did something wrong. and. We asked him why, and he said, I don't know why I do the things that I do. As I remember, he was about four years old. It's hard to remember a time when there wasn't some kind of struggle within us. How far back do the struggles go? Now, as we read in the Bible, we find that that our story goes back a long, long way. 
And it originates with God. In Genesis chapter 1, we hear that God speaks. The voice of God echoes out saying, let there be human beings. And God created you and me in God's own image. And God said of us that we are good. And that's how our story begins. Created in the image of God. And we are good. And that's not all there is to the story. In Genesis chapter 2, we hear how it is that this God who created us chooses to be involved in our lives in very real and intimate ways, created in the image of God. Good, we are not alone. The beginning of our story. But sometimes we don't feel so good. Sometimes we feel alone. So what happened to our story? In Genesis chapter 3, we hear the story of Adam and Eve. You remember that story? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, where God had placed them in the Garden of Eden and provided all their needs. And God said to them that they could eat the fruit of any tree in the garden except one tree, the tree that was in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if they were to eat that fruit, they would certainly die. And so Adam and Eve went about living their lives, God with them, them with God, until one day they heard a new voice. And this voice was different from the voice that had said, you are good. Remember the voice of the serpent? Psst, Adam, Eve, Eve, Adam. Did God really say that you can't eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Oh no, that's not what God said, Eve replied. God said we can eat fruit from any tree in the garden except that one. If we eat the fruit of that tree in the middle of the garden, even if we touch it, we will die. Remember what the serpent says? You won't die. That tree will give you knowledge. And knowledge is a good thing, isn't it? I mean, God said not to eat it because God knows if you eat it, then you will become like God. But knowledge, becoming more like God, isn't that good? Go ahead, eat. And Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and when they did, they bit into a false narrative about their lives. They bit into a false narrative about their lies, their lives, as they began to believe lies that God could not be trusted, that they were alone in this world, that it was best that they make decisions for themselves, and what was important was what they wanted. And I know that this is a very ancient story. It goes way, way, way back. And I know that we're not the ones who ate the forbidden fruit. We're not the ones who disobeyed God. But there's something about this story that seems to be woven into the fabric of our life stories. I mean, sometimes we hear the voice of the tempter. 
Sometimes we doubt. Remember how the story continues? As soon as Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they tried to hide. They tried to hide from each other, and they tried to hide from God. And when that didn't work, then they started pointing fingers and blaming each other, and even blaming God. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that there are times when we try to hide from each other. We hide in the form of the secrets that we keep. And there are times where we'll throw people under the bus, where we'll point our fingers of blame and try to make ourselves look good by making somebody else look bad. We have our times when we doubt the Word of God, when we doubt that God is with us, maybe even when we doubt the very existence of God. There's something about this ancient story that is woven into the very fabric of our story. St. Paul tells us that the root of our struggles is sin. The root of our struggles is sin that is woven into the fabric of our story in ways that causes us to believe lies. Lies like we are not worthy of love. Lies like we are not capable. Lies like we are all alone. We have to make it in this world on our own. Lies like the best way to survive is to hide things from people. St. Paul wants us to know that this is the root of the struggles of our life. This false narrative that gets woven into the fabric. It's how we live. But there's more to the biblical story than what I've shared. Because remember, when Adam and Eve, uh, after they have tried to hide from God... They then leave the garden. Remember what God does? God follows after them. And what follows in the Bible is story after story after story of human beings living their lives. The good, the bad, and the ugly of it all. And how God was relentless in God's pursuit going after them in order to help bring about redemption to help to rewrite their story. To rewrite their story. In Adam and Eve, doubt enters our story. As Christians, grace enters our story. For God loves us so much, loves us so much that God would enter into our lives into our struggles, Emmanuel, God with us, into our very struggles to bring about redemption. And as for our struggles, our struggles are so woven into the fabric of our being that sometimes we can feel like we're enslaved to it. It can be hard for us to imagine ever feeling like we had self-worth. It can be hard for us to imagine ever feeling worthy of love. It can be hard for us to imagine ever living when we were not afraid. It can be hard for us to imagine ever living when we don't feel lonely. 
could be hard for us to imagine our life any other way. But it's this gap, this gap between what we believe and how we live. It's this gap that God wants to enter into to bring about transformation so that a new narrative for our lives is written, one rooted in the original, in the original narrative, one that reminds us we are beloved children of God who are beautiful to behold. So here's what I'm talking about. Let's just imagine for a moment that you're setting out on a journey. It's a really long journey. So you gas up the car and you fill it full of the provisions of your life. Now this is a Christian journey, so Jesus is with you. He's going to be the navigator on this journey. He's going to be pointing the direction for us to go. And he knows the destination toward which he's leading us. That destination we call Christian perfection, you know, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving our neighbor as ourselves, our lives, being motivated by love. Or here's another way to think about it, that gap between what we believe and how we behave begins to close. This is the destination toward which Jesus is leading us. So we set out on the journey, we hit the gas, and we start chugging along until we come upon a really, really steep hill. It's really steep. So steep that your car can't make it up the hill. And then you have a decision to make. Will you stay there at the bottom of that hill? Jesus is still there. He's still with us. But we won't reach the destination toward which he would have us go. Do we stay there? Or do we lighten the load of the stuff that we have brought with us so the car can make it up the hill? We look into the back seat and we see that it is packed full of stuff. It's packed full of the stuff of our life. It's packed full of the burdens that we carry, the brokenness of life, the fears that we have, the guilt, the shame that we carry, feelings of unworthiness. It's packed full of all of that kind of stuff. And that stuff weighs us down. It keeps us from being able to make it up the hill. But we get out of the car and we look in the trunk. We open up the bags and, we've, and we see in the bags that they're packed full too. They're packed full of our opinions, our ideologies, our prejudices, our attitudes. This is stuff that we carry with us. Our car is loaded down with this kind of stuff. And we don't know what to do about it. But Jesus is with us. What we can't do for ourselves, he can do. And so we ask him to help us to try to make something of the mess. To clean it up so that we can get up the hill. I'll give you... An example. Most of you here know that for years I struggled with a fear of failure. You know that. It's really almost 20 years of my life that I struggled with fear of failure. I knew that God wanted me to be a pastor, but I was afraid of failing, so I didn't do it. 
Instead, I did other things. I managed grocery stores. I sold produce. I tried to make a living playing sports. I had my own business running a chainsaw in the woods. I did a lot of different things. None of them were what God was asking of me. And it finally came to a head when I became more afraid that my life would continue as it was going than I was afraid of failing. And that's when I sought help. I reached out to Jesus and asked him to make something of that mess. It was a big mess. It was a big mess. It took a long time to clean up that mess. I mean, we spend a whole lifetime making the mess that is that can become our lives. And God works through time in order to, to clean it up. It took three years, three years, with the Lord pushing me to do things that I didn't think that I could do. Pushing me to do things that I was afraid of doing. All of that leading up to one moment, and I can remember that moment as clear as day. I can remember that moment, the moment when God healed me and took away all that fear. The miracle happened in a moment, but it was a part of three years. Three years of God working on me. Helping me to understand this false narrative that I had bought into. This gap between me saying I believed in God, but not being able to do what God asked of me to do. But God entered into that and made something of it. That's the transforming work that God can do in our lives in the midst of the struggles. Our struggles are rooted in a false narrative about our lives. Accepting this false narrative. God wants to rewrite that narrative. And so to that, we're going to turn our attention next week. Start the rewriting. To do that, we're going to dig a little bit more deeply into that three-year period that I just talked about. Not my three years, but the but kind of the model of what happens when we're in partnership with God to bring about transformation. We'll call it the circle of freedom. And with that, I'm going to quit talking today. Amen? Amen. Amen.